0: All right, so uh, we are in a topical study of the book of Proverbs. I've entitled the this, this study, uh, Landmarks on the Path of Life. And um, what we're doing now, we're kind of just looking at some details on the book of Proverbs, who wrote it and why. Well, we consider the purpose of, uh, of the writing of Proverbs in that, um, quite frankly, uh, every day of our life we are faced with an ever-present danger uh, it surrounds us all the time I, I talked about three of those dangers I talked about religious traditionalism I talked about philosophy and vain deceit I also talked about um, What p- the Apostle Paul called Science falsely so called And I addressed it not so much The uh, physical science Or the you know the medical science But I what I Approached it from is what I believe with Paul was approaching it from and that is those theological theories that are out there and I mentioned a few of those uh, that uh, they try to foist upon uh, believers uh, uh, with, the, uh, um, with the false notion that this will bring them to a deeper understanding and knowledge of God and I went through some of those and showed you that that wasn't so and so we have to be very very careful about what they teach and preach about God we've got to go to God's word, we've got to check it out And we got to, you know, uh, see if these things that they say align up with God's word. We also uh, talked about the unceasing uninterrupted struggle between good and evil that we're surrounded in. Uh, Right now in our own country, we see that battle going on, this this teeter-totter battle between good and evil. Uh, What was once evil is now proclaimed good. What was once good is now proclaimed evil. And so we need that um, discretion that discernment in order for us to tell you know what is right from wrong what is true from false and so forth and so forth and so in the book of Proverbs what we're going to discover is some wise counsel from heaven for life here on earth And that's what I mean by the landmarks along uh, life's pathway. These things that uh, are found in God's word that uh, give us that discernment between uh, what is good and evil, between what is false and truth, and uh, help us to be prudent about those things, uh, to uh, help us uh, be able to discern those words uh, that would cause us to err from from the true knowledge that we find in God's word. So what I want to do is I want to continue along. And I want to um, talk about who wrote the book of Proverbs. Okay, so just some details uh, about, um, you know, the book that we're getting ready to study. Now, we know according to Second uh, uh, Peter chapter 1, verse 21, we know who the true author of the Bible is, don't we? Yeah, it's, it's the Holy Ghost it, God's the true author of the book uh, 2 Peter one twenty one says for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost so uh, in regards to the book of Proverbs uh, who was it that uh, the Holy Ghost moved to uh, write, write these Proverbs down anybody want to guess who that person is just take a guess There you go, I was hoping you would say Solomon Because it it says it, you know, right off in verse 1 of chapter 1 The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David Alright, so right there we see that the primary author, if you will Is Solomon, uh, the son of uh, King David Uh, When uh, Solomon began to reign uh, Israel uh, took over the throne from his father, David. From his father, David, he was absolutely overwhelmed with the scope uh, and the responsibility and the magnitude of the, of what he was facing. I mean, he was king over God's people. He was king over God's people. Uh, he was a relatively young man. At this time uh, And um, he was expected to take up Where his uh, father's uh, David had taken over And David was a, a beloved king A well respected, highly esteemed king So uh, this uh, young man Was um, uh, responsible now With uh, taking over um, uh, uh, The throne from David And um, He was still a very young man And and um, You know um That's kind of overwhelming if you stop and think about it. Uh, A young man uh, taking over such a grave responsibility like that. Now, it's interesting to me when I I was curious of this, I I went in there and I tried to find how old was Solomon when he took over the throne of David. And uh, I was surprised to find that it never mentions how old Solomon was when he took over the throne it doesn't say how old Solomon was so I got to dig in a little, a little deeper and um, just bear with me a little bit I got to dig in a little bit be- deeper because I was really curious to know how old Solomon was when he took over the throne according to 1 Corinthians uh, First 1 First Kings 11.42 and 2 Chronicles 9.20 uh, Solomon began, uh, reigned over Israel for 40 years Okay, so for 40 years. So we know how long he reigned. He reigned uh, for 40 years. Now, his son Rehoboam in 1 Kings 14, 21, uh, Rehoboam uh, reigned, started his reign when he was 41 years of age. Okay, so Solomon reigned 40 years. And Rehoboam began his reign when he was 41 years. All right, so that should be a clue. Uh, When you put the math together, uh, this would, to me, would tell me that Solomon was about 20 years of age when he began to reign in his father's place, David. Uh, Again, King David, um, he was 70 years old when he died, and David was about 50 years old when uh, when Solomon was born. With Bathsheba. Alright, so 50, he died at 70, so there's 20 years right there. And if you take and you look through the Bible during that period of time, uh, that would include Amnon's rape of Tamar in 2 Samuel 13, Absalom's murder of Amnon two years later. And 2 Samuel 13.23 Absalom's return to Jerusalem after three years Preparation for Absalom's Conspiracy of four years 2 Samuel 15.7 Absalom's rebellion, Sheba's rebellion uh, Three years of famine According to 2 Samuel 21.1 David's census In 2 Samuel 24 And then preparations of rebellion of Adonijah If you take all of that time And put it together That's 20 years So I'm thinking with all of that data from God's word, that tells me that when Solomon took the throne, he was a 20-year-old boy. 20-year-old boy. That's kind of amazing, isn't it, to stop and think about that. So at the very start of Solomon's reign, here he is, a 20-year-old boy, and he's got quite a task ahead of him. He's got quite a task ahead of him. And so at the very start of his reign, God in 1 Kings 3.5 shows up and asks Solomon, What would you like for me to do for you? Young man, what would you like for me to do for you since you've taken on the crown? And I think Solomon did the wisest thing he ever did in his whole life. Turn to 1 Kings chapter 3. Solomon did the wisest thing he ever did in his life. 1 Kings chapter 3 and verse 7 remember this is after the Lord had asked him what would you like for me to do for you he says here in 1 Kings 3 7 he says and now O Lord my God thou hast made thy servant king instead of David my father and I am but a little child I'm just a 20 year old kid I know not how to go out or come in and thy servant is in the midst of thy people, which thou hast chosen a great people that cannot be numbered nor counted for multitude. Israel had become a pretty powerful nation under David's leadership. Give therefore thy servants riches and fame. No, that's not what he asked for, is it? He asked for an understanding heart to judge thy people. That I may What? discern between good and bad for who is able to judge this thy so great a people that's smart that was very smart Solomon realized that above all else above wealth above victory over Israel's enemies above good health what he really needed (laughs) was wisdom that ability to discern between good and evil in order to judge uh, God's people And this humble request pleased God. And it pleased God so much that not only did he give Solomon wisdom, what else did he give Solomon? Long life and, uh, yeah, wealth, peace in the land. Yeah, all of that. All of that was bestowed upon Solomon. In fact, a lot of Bible students say that Solomon's reign is a picture of the millennial kingdom when Jesus reigns so yeah he he was really blessed 1st Kings four twenty nine, and God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding exceeding much and largeness of heart even as the sand that is on the seashore Solomon was famous for his wisdom he was famous for his wisdom wisdom that he had humbly asked of God can anybody think of a passage in the Bible where if any man lack wisdom let him ask of God does anybody know where that's at James 1.5 Right? Yeah, God wants to give us wisdom God wants to give us wisdom 1 Kings 4.30 A little testimony about Solomon And Solomon's wisdom excelled The wisdom of all the children of the east country And all the wisdom of Egypt And the Egyptians were no slouches They were pretty bright people for he was wiser than all men, than Ethan, the Ezraites, and Heman, and Chalcol, and Darda, the sons of Meho. I don't know who these guys are, but apparently these guys had a reputation for being pretty smart, being pretty wise. And his fame was in all nations round about, and he spake 3,000 proverbs, and his songs were 1,005. Solomon's wisdom was so great that the queen of the south came up to check him out she had heard about him all the way down in Ethiopia what was it 3,000 proverbs and 1,005 songs now I uh, counted up the proverbs (laughs) here in the book of proverbs and there's approximately 881 verses in the book of proverbs 881 verses of the 3,000 proverbs uh, recorded here for us we've got 881 of them now does that mean we've got to run around and try to find the other what 2,100 and some odd proverbs no and why is that because God gave us what we need right here see that's the problem with a lot of people they're not satisfied with this You know, they got to go to those other gospels and they got to go to those other apocryphal books and they got to claim that those are just as valuable. No. No. Those are the things that err from the words of knowledge. No, you've got what you need right here. You don't need anything else. You got it all right here. God has given it all to you right here. Solomon wrote Proverbs for the purpose of instructing his son Rehoboam. He knew that Rehoboam would one day succeed him on the throne, and so he wrote these down to give that boy some wisdom, or hopefully give that boy some wisdom, which it didn't look like it paid off, did it? Rehoboam kind of made a stupid decision. But anyway, all the way through the book of Proverbs, you read, my son, my son, my son, my son. You know, he's trying to teach his son wisdom teach his son wisdom now here's a point of personal application that we can be seen here in that constant reference of my son heed my words listen to what I say when you read God's word learn to personalize it alright because it is your heavenly father talking to you so when you read God's word you personalize it Because he's talking to you. He's talking to me. See, that's the problem with some folks. They don't personalize the word. They like to read it. They like to study it. But for some reason, there's some sort of disconnect. Well, that doesn't apply to me. It might apply to Mitch or it might apply to, you know, Ish or somebody else. But it doesn't apply to me. Yeah, it does yeah it does personalize it make God's word your own when you read it don't read it in the abstract see a lot of people uh, treat the Bible like it's a textbook it's not a textbook it's not so you can cram your head full of facts it's God speaking to you about where you're at in your life that's what it's about so you read it as a son of God, as a child of God, because it's written to you. I like what one guy said. He says, acknowledging truth is one thing. Yielding to truth is quite another. Now, you can acknowledge a lot of stuff about the Bible. But if you don't personalize it, if you don't make it yours, what good does it do you? Well, it's like looking at a big old piece of chocolate cake and you can just admire that chocolate cake and you can smell that chocolate cake but you really don't enjoy it until you do what? You eat it. Yes. So Solomon's what was that? <laughs> yeah, you bet. What was it? Jeremiah said thy words I did fine and I did eat them for they were the joy and the rejoicing of my heart. Solomon's desire for his son is the same as any father for their sons and their daughters they want them to do well in life and God wants us to do well in life <laughs> that's why he gave us this you know that's why he gave us the Bible Proverbs twenty-three, fifteen says my son if thine heart be wise my heart shall rejoice even mine What a grief it is to a parent to have a child who rebels, a child who rejects good counsel, a child that you see going down the wrong path, and no matter how you try to warn them, how you try to turn them, they're determined. What a grief that is to a parent. I wouldn't wish that on my enemy. It's such a grief. It's such a grief. One of the things that give pleasure to God our Father is that his children walk in truth. Just as much as it grieves an earthly father to see an erring child. How do you think we grieve the Father? When we are erring from his word. So three times in the book of Proverbs we see that, oh I meant to write that up here so Solomon three times we see that uh, Solomon is given credit under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit Proverbs 1.1, the Proverbs of Solomon the son of David, king of Israel, Proverbs 10.1 the Proverbs of Solomon and Proverbs 25.1 these are also Proverbs of Solomon Somebody else uh, contributed to Proverbs So not just Solomon uh, There was another man Turn to Proverbs chapter 30 and verse 1 Proverbs chapter 30 and verse 1 Somebody else was inspired by the Holy Spirit To contribute to the book of Proverbs Anybody there at Proverbs 30 verse 1 Go ahead and read it if you are That's okay. There you go. Yeah, I butchered them too, so don't worry about it. Yeah. Yeah, they can't have normal names like Bob and Frank, can they? So this this man, Agar, or Agur, Agur, however you want to pronounce it. I'll call him Aggie. The definition of his name means to gather. To collect. Um, He's only found right here in Proverbs chapter 30. The only place you're going to find him in the Bible. But his name means to gather, to collect. What is he collecting? He's collecting wisdom from God's word, isn't he? He's gathering those precious treasures of God's word his father's name is Jacob which means blameless so this may be a clue to this man Agor about his upbringing I'm thinking Jacob his father was a God fearing man and he lived in a God fearing home and so what this man Agor was doing he was gathering for himself wisdom from heaven because of the influence of a godly home that's my take on it. You may, not wanna, you may not agree with that, but that's my take on it. I believe that this man, Agor, may have been an instructor of in righteousness. Because it says he's speaking to two other men. One man's name is Ethiel, which means God is with me. The other man is Ukel, which means devoured. In my sources that I looked up. So these two may have been young men that were disciples of Agur, who was teaching them wisdom out of God's word. And I think uh, these two men could be pictures of the two paths, two possible paths that men take. Ithiel, God is with me, he chose that right path, right? Right? That path of light that gets brighter and brighter as you travel it. And then the other man by the name of Ukul means devoured. He may have been the one who goes down the other path. The path that leads to destruction. Because I'm telling you, a life lived without God, this life will chew you up and spit you out. It will. This man, Agor, is certainly a humble man because he makes mention of himself that he's brutish right he's brutish or ignorant he's brutish or ignorant apart from God's enlightenment found in God's word that's a good hard attitude to have that is a very good hard attitude to add I I read a funny quote the other day that said some people labor on all their lives never knowing they are utterly incompetent. <laughs> you know, if you stop and consider all of the great men and women in the Bible that God had dealings with and that God had done great things with, God surrounded himself with incompetence. He really did with men who did not think that they could do this or that I mean Moses, hey I stutter, I can't do this Gideon, you know, I can't can't do that I can't deliver Israel but that's kind of cool if you stop and think about it because that includes me (laughs) that means God can use an idiot like me and that's pretty cool Paul talked about that 1 Corinthians 1.27 But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty and base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen. Yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are. Why? Why does he use common everyday people like you and I? Verse 29 That no flesh should glory in his presence. Because who should get the glory? Me? Because I'm so smart? Because I stand up here and, and teach a Bible lesson? Is that? Am I to get that glory? No, God is to get the glory. It's his word. It's his truth. It's his wisdom. I just get to share it. He's the one He's the one that gets the glory And I'm telling you folks If you want to do great things for God It's the humble and contrite in heart That God uses It's the humble and contrite in heart That God uses It's those folks who value God's word As hid treasure That trust God and obey his word Those are the folks that God uses It's the folks who are submitted Yielded surrendered not the not the uh, know-it-alls and the i can do's agar apparently was such a guy listen to listen what he says here in proverbs 30 verse 5 he says every word of god is pure He is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. Add thou not unto his words, lest he reprove thee, and thou be found a liar. You know what he's saying there? Don't mess with the landmarks. God has put them there for a reason. Don't you go shifting them around. Proverbs chapter 30 and verse 5 and, and 6. Turn to uh, Proverbs chapter thirty-one. Here's the other contributor. You might be kind of surprised about this one. Proverbs chapter thirty and verse one. What is it? We're thirty-one and verse one. What is it? What does it say? Anybody? The prophecy that his mother taught him. The name Lemuel means for God. This Lemuel is a king. One who had received instruction from his godly mother. Her words to her son, the king, are sound and wise words. About controlling one's passions and appetites, as well as being a good king to his people. She writes in Proverbs 31.9, he says, Open thy mouth, judge righteously, and plead the cause of the poor and the needy. She also outlines the characteristics of a good wife, the virtuous woman, throughout the rest of this Proverbs chapter um, 31. Proverbs 18.22 says, Whoso findeth a wife findeth a good thing, and obtaineth favor of the Lord. Sadly, this isn't appreciated by a lot of men today. But you find a good woman, you've got a ruby. You've got a gem. And you need to appreciate her. And you need to show your appreciation to her. She's a gem. She's a jewel. Many good Bible students believe that these are the words of Bathsheba remember Bathsheba yeah Bathsheba the son, her, her son's name was Solomon the name Lemuel means for God they believe that was a pet name that she had for her son the king it was an admonition of her to her son Solomon you stick with God don't go astray you stay close to God You keep your heart for God and don't surrender it to another. And indeed, that was Solomon's heart in the beginning. 1 Kings 3.3, and Solomon loved the Lord. Walking in the statues of David, his father. He loved the Lord. But what happened? Yeah. Uh, Not so virtuous women. Let him astray. Let him astray. And this was um, the same desire that David had for Solomon. 1 Kings 2.1, and now the days of David uh, drew nigh that he should die. And he charged Solomon his son, saying, I go the way of all the earth. Be thou strong, therefore, and show thyself a man. And keep... The charge of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes and his commandments and his judgments and his testimonies. As it is written in the law of Moses, that thou mayest prosper in all that thou doest. So even David's desire was like Bathsheba's desire. Stay with the Lord, Solomon. Stay with the Lord. Proverbs 423 says, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. That's the same admonition that we have. Keep your heart for God. Don't give it to another. Don't give it to another. Like I said, she, she goes on and she talks about a virtuous woman in Proverbs chapter 31. And a virtuous, godly woman can be a valuable helpmeet concerning the issues of life. Uh, A valuable, valuable helpmeet facing the issues of life together. Outside of your relationship with God, and I understand that there's some folks, you know, they're not married for, for whatever reason, and I'm not saying anything against that. Uh, But outside of one's relationship with God, one of the most important relationships that we have is that marriage relationship. That marriage relationship is so crucial. Therefore, it shouldn't be any surprise that the enemy is targeting that relationship and seeking to destroy it, redefine it. Put another meaning to it. Play it down. Make it not as vital or not as important. Shouldn't be any surprise. Shouldn't be any surprise. Per, uh, turn to Proverbs chapter 25 and verse 1, and we'll look at another contributor. Another contributor. Anybody there? Proverbs twenty-five, one. Go ahead and read it. These are also the proverbs of Solomon, which men of, of Judah and Okay, if I spell the name wrong, I'm looking right at it. I apologize. Oh, I need to put an H there, don't I? Hezekiah. Now, Hezekiah didn't so much write uh, any of the proverbs, but what did he have his men do? Copied them out, didn't he? Copied them out. Hezekiah, another wise and good king, he recognized the value of Solomon's proverbs, and so uh, what he did was, is he had his uh, men copy them down. He had his scribes copying them down. What was it that Hezekiah just did there? So we have, we have the inspiration of God's word. We also have the preservation of God's word okay two important doctrines everybody will tell you yeah God inspired his word but we don't have the original autograph so therefore God didn't preserve his word what we've got is a pretty good close almost no we don't we've got God's word we just read about Proverbs chapter 30 right don't add to or take away but that's what these jokers want to do they want to add to and take away but what we have here is the doctrine of inspiration and the doctrine of preservation Psalms 12:6 says the words of the Lord are pure words a silver tried in a furnace of earth purified seven times he says thou shalt keep them O Lord thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever we have God's preserved word we can trust every word of this book because God promised that we would have it and we do and we do all of these individuals had one thing in common a high esteem for God's word a high esteem for God's word They knew it was God's word, they knew it was true They knew it was the source of wisdom They knew it was a treasure That was more valuable than all the Gold and silver and precious gems In the world Proverbs 16 16 says how much better is it to get Wisdom than gold And to get understanding rather To be chosen than silver Valuable Precious so those are the authors, now I want to talk about the key verse. What is the key verse of the book of Proverbs? You know when, um one of the objectives of Bible students, you know when you're studying a book or, or a chapter, uh, what they try to do is they try to discern the key verse or verses of that book or, or that passage or, or that chapter or whatever it is, because the, if you can find the key verse, then it kind of helps give you you know the, the, the thought, the meaning, the, the, the theme behind what it is you're studying, whether it's a book or a chapter or whatever. Uh, sometimes this can prove challenging. And uh, quite frankly, not everybody agrees what the key verse is for this and that, and that's fine. That's fine. A lot of folks uh, believe that Proverbs 4.23 is the key verse of Proverbs. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. And certainly this verse would be a, a good contender for a key verse of the book of Proverbs. I mean it does um, you know talk about the spirit of the book guarding one's heart, uh, making sure you know you don't let anything get in there and 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 mess you up on the inside as you walk down the the paths of life and what was it i I counted some eighty eight times I think it is that the word heart is mentioned in the book of Proverbs, so that's pretty important that's that's pretty important, but for me. Uh, the key verse, uh, for, especially for our study, and for me as far as the book of Proverbs is concerned, uh, for me it's Proverbs chapter 9, 10 through 12. To me that's the key verse of the book of Proverbs. Proverbs. So if somebody's there at Proverbs nine, starting with verse 10, read all the way to verse 12. shall be wise There you go. So we, hear, we see here in these verses, the source of wisdom is what? the fear of the Lord and the fear of the Lord is one of those main themes as you read through the book of Proverbs that's one of those main themes as you read through the book of Proverbs so wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord also we see that uh, there is knowledge of the holy is understanding the word holy the knowledge of the holy to me I believe is the word of God talking about the word of God uh, when you get to know God's word, then you develop, nurture, some understanding. Some understanding. We also see in, the, in these verses uh, the key words of wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. You read these words multiple times as you go through the book of Proverbs. Multiple times. And we're going to look at each of those words uh, individually in, in here next time. <laughs> I'm not going to get to it this time so we see, so to me this is the, this is the key verses uh, the, the, the knowledge of the holy the knowledge of the holy uh, like I said I believe it's the word of God um, anybody have any idea what the word holy means go ahead set apart That's right. Set apart, sanctified. Turn to John chapter 17. Holy means set apart. Or sanctify. John 17. This is the Lord praying for his men, praying for us. John 17, 15, he says, I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but thou shouldest keep them from the evil. We're kind of of talking about that, aren't we? They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. What does he say here? Sanctify them through thy truth. Set them apart. Make them holy. Holy. Sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world, and for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also may be sanctified through thy truth. The word sanctify is a synonym of holy, a synonym of of set apart. To be set apart unto God, to be sanctified unto God. In other words, to be set apart from the profane, the common, that other path that is darkness. And to set us apart unto the path of light that shines brighter and brighter. Revelations 22 11 says. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. He which is filthy, let him be filthy still. He that is righteous, let him be righteous still. He that is holy, let him be holy still. Stay the course. Stay the course. Psalms 4, three. But know that the Lord hath set apart him that is godly for himself. That's what it means to be holy. Remember what Bathsheba said to her son? Keep your heart for God. Set it apart for God. Sanctify. It's by our knowledge and understanding of God's word that we can be separated from the profane path of the wicked and stay the course on the path of the just. That's what it's teaching us. And like I said, this this theme about the fear of the Lord is central to the book of Proverbs. It's because of the perpetual struggle that goes on between good and evil. Seeking that upper hand in everyone's life. Do you believe that evil is seeking to gain the upper hand in your life? I hope you do. Because if you don't, then you're walking around ignorant. Ignorant. Because it is. It's seeking to have the upper hand. It wants to influence you away from who? God. So this theme of fear of the Lord is crucial. Proverbs 16.6 says, By mercy and truth, iniquity is purged, and by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. this sanctification has to be applied in a practical way there has to be that decision that says I'm walking God's way I'm walking that path of light I'm walking the right path because if we don't make those decisions daily, what's going to (laughs) happen? we're going to end up like sheep wandering in the meadow and off the cliff it happens to the best of us talking about the fear of the Lord Psalms 119-120 this is what the psalmist wrote he said my flesh trembleth for fear of thee and I am afraid of thy judgments this was David who wrote this But yet when he thought about God and thought about disobeying God's word, it caused him to tremble. Do you tremble (laughs) when you think about sin in your life? Do you tremble when you find yourself maybe in the place you shouldn't be? See, when men lose their fear of God and they lose their respect for his word, so goes any hope in this battle, in the influence of evil over our lives. The influence of the way of darkness and death. Psalm 36.1 says, The transgression of the wicked saith within my heart that there is no fear of God before his eyes. Do you know why people do the evil that they do? because they don't fear God Psalm 36 2 for he flattereth himself in his own eyes until his iniquity be found to be hateful the words of his mouth are iniquity and deceit he hath left off to be wise and to do good he devises mischief upon his bed he setteth himself in a way that, uh, that is not good he abhorreth not evil in fact he loves it it's fun it's fun you know, the scorners and critics will cry foul when I say this, but I looked this up about our own country. I looked at all the crime stats and all these other stats that they've got available for out. Th- you know, when this country started to really s- slide, when it really began to slide, there you go, they took God out of schools. They took prayer out of schools. They took the word of God out of schools. They took the right of students meeting for Bible study. They took that away. They took it out. And it's interesting. You can look it up. I looked it up. From that point on, you see divorce rate rise. Abortion became legal. Crime went up. The drug culture, the free sex culture took off. Now we've got all sorts of perversions going on. There, there's now a movement out there to give pedophiles their rights. Oh, never in America. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. When, when they first legalized gay marriage, I have my stepson is homosexual. And he was shocked at the pedophiles coming out. I said it was never just about gay marriage. No. It's about everything else. Yeah, you remember when I talked about uh, Proverbs twenty nineteen, twenty nine eighteen, where there is no vision that people perish, but he that keepeth the law happy is he. You remember when I talked about that? I showed you the correlation between the vision and the word of God, and how when a society forsakes the word of God, that's the beginning of the end of that society. It begins to decline. You remember when I talked about the word perish? It doesn't necessarily mean your demise but it's that attitude of anything goes is that not what we're seeing in our country today anything goes and how dare you question anything that we want to do well America has turned its back on God now there are pockets there are remnants but a nation as a whole we've turned our back on God what's the next step judgment and who's to say we're not already experiencing it now I know that's not popular yeah it's truth it's truth you know people say God bless America why should he He we kill our unburned children We've legalized perversion. Our divorce rate is incredible. And I can go on and on and on and on and on and on. We need to pray, folks. We need to pray. Okay. Uh, one more item about this Proverbs 9, 10 through 12. We see the three key words... In the book of Proverbs, Wisdom, Understanding, and Knowledge. I call these words the Good Judgment Trinity. <laughs> the Good Judgment Trinity. If you got wisdom, you've got knowledge, you've got understanding, then you're going to have good judgment. You're going to have good judgment. Proverbs 1.4 says to give subtlety to the simple, to the young man, knowledge, and discretion. As I mentioned earlier, discretion, or discernment, is that ability to tell this is right and this is wrong. And that's what we have lost today, is that discernment. Because what was once evil is now proclaimed good, and what was once good is now being proclaimed as evil. We've lost it. We've lost it. And the word subtlety, that's street smarts. That's knowing how to navigate through this mess that's knowing how to navigate to this mess so that's why I think this is my this is my key verse for the book of Proverbs it's a good verse it's a good verse it gives you the warning of forsaking God's word but it also gives you the blessing a promised blessing of esteeming God's word so as we progress through our study uh, concerning the ancient landmarks, we haven't even gotten to those yet, have we? <laughs> but that's par for the course. I got to give you all this upfront stuff. But you're going you're going to, I think you're going to really appreciate—if you al- already don't—you're going to really appreciate the wisdom of this book. And I, I call this book my springboard, my springboard into deeper study. Because I don't know how many times I've gone through Proverbs and it has just led me through from Genesis to Revelation. It's like a springboard into the deep end of the pool. Now hopefully hopefully you'll see that. Hopefully you'll come to appreciate that. So next week when we get together I want to talk about the three key words of wisdom, understanding and knowledge. And I also want to share with you or at least give you a, a, the four Uh, categories of proverbs Uh, proverbs has three key words of wisdom understanding and knowledge and proverbs lists everything under these four categories and it is these four categories that gives you the keys to walking that right path so that'll be next week Holy Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for this time we have in your word. I pray, Father, that it would be profitable. It it, it is profitable. I think maybe I should change that prayer. Help us pay attention and heed your word so that it would be profitable to us. We thank you and praise you for your son, Jesus Christ, who is our hope. And we look forward to that day. We'll be with him in glory. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.